to kickstart the webinar -thon, we're incredibly grateful to have Sarah and Angel with us today to speak about psychology university applications in the UK and how to navigate the whole uh, UCAS process, how to write personal statements and share their own personal experience. So Angel is one of the founders and the chairperson of the International Psychology Students Initiative and the chair-elect for the student committee of the British Psychological Society. She's currently studying for a Master's of Science of Psychology at UCL. And Sarah is a first-year psychology student also at UCL and has previously taken AP Psychology and acted as a research assistant at the National Institute of Mental Health. So with two of our guests here, we just want to make this a casual but informative conversation. So Angel and Sarah, feel free to just ask each other questions or add on to each other's answers. So without further ado, let's get this started. So to start off, Angel and Sarah, would you please introduce yourselves to our audience and talk a bit about why you were interested in psychology and some fun facts about yourself? Yeah, uh, I can start off. So I'm Angel, I'm studying second year of MSI Psychology. To clarify, like at UCL, that's MSI, which means it's integrated master's. So that's three years of bachelor's and one year of master's. And I'm currently in my second year. Uh, for me, what attracted me to study psychology is mainly my aspiration to be a clinical psychologist. And so to specialize in clinical psychology, you have to do psychology. And then for the reason why I'm interested in mental health is because I'm actually from Hong Kong. So like Hong Kong is quite stressful and then there's different emotional distress issues or mood disorders. So that's why that got me into mental health. Hi everyone. So I'm Sarah. I'm a first year UCL psychology student. I'm doing the BS course. So only the undergrads, which is just a three-year course. And for me, psychology, well, I initially started off being sort of dead set on studying psychiatry. My mother is a psychiatrist, so it was sort of expected of me. But then when I was about 15, I sort of gradually found my way more to psychology because I found psychiatry a bit too reductionist in a way because of the general attitude of treating the symptoms, but not so much focusing on the causes. And generally, I think the most, I suppose, attractive thing about psychology is how broad it is. So, of course, you've got the clinical bits, but also you've got sort of human rationality. And through that, you can sort of dwell into behavioral econ, sort of more business side of psychology. I mean, you can do linguistics. You can do pretty much anything with psychology. So it's very it's a very universal field. I mean, if you want, you can get into investment banking with psychology. So that's about it. Yeah, that's really cool. So now that we know a bit about who you guys are, let's start off with the beginning of your career path, I guess. So what subjects did you guys take for your public exams? And um, do you think that, like, you know, with the broad nature of psychology, do you think that taking psychology is like a requirement for psychology in the UK? I mean, if I can start and Angela, feel free to uh, jump in if you have anything to add. I think I took A-levels. So I did A-level psychology, biology, maths and history of art. And I also did AP psychology before that. I don't think it's necessarily a prerequisite, but I think it definitely makes your life easier once you start university. Because, for instance, especially at UCL, you do quite a bit of stats. 
And I think if you took, for instance, A-level maths, or if you did IB or any sort of or similar similar qualification, you, you will be probably familiar with all these concepts already. And you just sort of add bits, but you have really the basis. And I think generally universities, although they say, you know, it's not required, it will make your life significantly harder to learn everything from scratch, as opposed to if you if you took, for instance, A-level psychology, IB psychology, or even AB, which is sort of lower level. Yep. So for me, I took the IB and then I wanted to do psychology, but it's not offered in my school. So for my subjects, they're actually chemistry, biology, maths, MAI. So it's like interpretation and application. So it's more like the statistics side. The other side is like the calculus where it's AA. And I also did English BHL. And for my SLs is uh, Chinese and ESS, which is something about like environmentalism. And for me, I think not taking psychology is okay, but you need to do a bit more to learn more about the subject of psychology or to learn more about that at a university level. So for me, I actually took some summer course on psychology as like, um, let's say some universities, um, they may do taster courses. They can take them during the summer to feel how it feels like to study psychology at university level and to learn a bit more about like the experiments, the research, etc. And again, stats is very important. So it will be great if you do maths. And then with UCL, we do stats with uh, coding. It's like R. So if you have a bit of coding experiences, that will be a bit more beneficial too. I think with other universities in the UK, let's say Oxbridge, they might focus a bit more on like neuroscience part of psychology. So that could be another story if you're talking about other universities. So yeah. Cool. Um. I noticed that like psychology is kind of like, uh, like it, it encompasses a lot of different subjects like math, neuroscience, like biology, chemistry, like that kind of thing. So um, what advice would you give to people that are interested in this field? And like, can you dissect a bit of like, kind of what are the pillars of psychology and like what subjects should people take according to what they want to focus on within psychology? I would say definitely maths is beneficial. You don't need to do advanced maths or like further maths as it's called at A-level. Definitely sort of normal maths for normal people is sufficient. But just to get some sort of an idea about sort of, especially statistics, it's basically, basically all you need. Otherwise, mm, I think it depends on the uni you're applying to. If you end up, for instance, at Oxford or Cambridge, there's a lot more emphasis on neurophysiology. So there definitely, if you took bio or chemistry, it would also make your life easier for you. That being said, it's really not necessary. It just means that you might have to do a little more external reading or watch YouTube videos, anything of that sort to sort of catch up. But otherwise, I think for me, the combination of psychology, maths, biology really worked well. But at the end of the day, I think even if you take something completely unrelated, as long as you are interested in psychology and you just, I don't know, read psychology papers in your free time, it might actually be enough. But definitely, if, if you should take something, it's at least standard maths. For me, I also agree with Sarah. So like, Maths is like a def 
definitely something you need, so like, especially with statistics. And then biology, so like if you're looking into the structure of the brain and the neurotransmitters, the synapses, etc. And then this might be a sort of unconventional advice, but I think it might be good to have some humanity subjects as well because like in psychology we do both lab reports and essays so you need to know how to write essays and you need to know how to write lab reports so for lab reports you can learn from the science subjects to learn how to critique the experiments like the validity all that stuff and for essays um i'm not sure about different unis but like i personally feel like some unis may assume that you just know how to write essays so you might have to train a bit of the essay writing skills from having some humanity subjects but in general it's quite flexible like just know that you need to learn stats or some maths and then try to know what how to write journal articles, like research articles and learn how to write essays. It's like a very comprehensive subject with both sides combined, combined in this psychology thing. So, yeah. Oh, wow. That's actually very interesting. Like I really would have never thought that psychology would be like a combination of different subjects and like Personally, I'm kind of bad at math, so I feel like I should catch up a bit more on that, like stats, you know, but like also uh, I didn't expect like humanities or like other sciences to be like that involved in psychology. So like leading on from that, let's change the subject or the spotlight to um, like activities outside of like just school subjects. So what are some of the of like previous high school activities that you guys take uh, like had taken that you think boosted your application for uni? Oh, I think for me, what I was quite heavily involved in was the at my sixth form college was the history of art magazine because I just loved history of art. I did it as one of my A-level subjects. I, for a very brief period of time, considered studying history of art at university. And I definitely think this is related to what Angela mentioned before. If you take an essay subject, it will probably end up being very useful at university because I think Angela probably experienced the same thing as I'm experiencing right now. But in terms of essay writing, they don't really tell you much. They sort of assume, you know, you, you did your A-levels, you did your IB, like you've got it down. Not many people actually got it down. So I think taking, for instance, for me, history of art was definitely a very useful exercise in actual essay writing, which is sort of then just adapt the same principles to psychology, especially if you are familiar with sort of the structure. If you read psychology papers, you will become familiar with that sort of structure. So that's definitely helpful. Otherwise, uh, I mean, I did. That's also probably will be the case for a lot of people doing psychology volunteering I think I saw Angela did a lot of volunteering I saw it on your LinkedIn very impressive but <laughs> what what I did for instance was well, I worked with a mental health charity or nonprofit called Reengage, where you basically once a week you call with an elderly person it was a charity founded during COVID when this became especially prominent where you had a lot of sort of elderly people isolated with, you know, if you're not close to your family, you're completely isolated, you have no one to talk to. And I think, of course, it's on one hand, it's good for your CV. You also feel good because you help people. But I think the most beneficial thing about volunteering is that you realize we are all the same at the end of the day. 
and someone may have sort of more more bigger bigger problems in a way but i think it's it is generally a very humbling humbling experience yep so my experience would be sort of similar and also like volunteering is like a big part of my life so um if you want to learn more about that you can ask me later on about my university life but in terms of what i did in high school uh first of all i created this mental health campaign for hong kong people and then with that i created like social media posts especially on um different mental illnesses on different psychology topics that helped me learn more about subject itself given that it's not offered in my school and then with that I also did some informal research it's like not scientific research but it's more like giving out people surveys street interviews interviewing professionals etc so that also helped me learn more about mental health and sort of have a glimpse into the research methods that we may use and then in my high school because psychology was not offered So some of my friends and myself actually created the psychology enthusiast group which is like um a similar thing to societies and then we created that to preach psychology to people who want to study psychology and sort of persuade the teachers that uh there's a market for psychology students and with that we organized like discussion forums so that's touched on like different branches of psychology like behavioral um clinical organizational etc And again, as mentioned, I said I did some summer school courses at universities, so that was actually included in my personal statement. And with that course, there was this group project on coping mechanism of of victims after a mass shooting incident, and then we analyzed how they cope with different stress and how the different mechanisms could um, lead to different consequences. So it's like every single thing you do can be put into your personal statement, but as a similar point about the replication process um with the personal statement they actually look into your academic critique a lot more than your ECAs so i'd say like it's 20% ECAs and then the rest is like academic critique so it's from your university courses like summer courses or reading books or research articles that they will be really useful for your personal statement so yeah cool that's really informative and i feel like a lot of people in hong kong or in the uk don't really get a chance to have like psychology in their schools especially with like me in Hong Kong or like the rest of my peers so um i feel like crafting a cv or like a personal statement in general is pretty important to like a career especially if you don't have like the relevant experience at school so i want to ask one thing about like the application process or um like crafting your cv Um what is one mistake you think that you had made in your application process or with like writing your CV that you wish you could have avoided? I think my mistake would not be the application process or the personal statement because like in my high school there's some advisors helping us with like the advice on personal statements. I think one thing I could have done better is like it, for some universities they had interviews and i feel like i was not that prepared for those interviews so like i was scared because like having a lot of acad- academics inside the interview um, interrogating you about different points and then for that i feel like throughout my high school journey i could have read more research articles just to know how to get prepared for these very academic intense interviews so this would be the mistake that i'm going to talk about okay i can answer the question later on uh for me it would i mean i generally my my personal statement was very academic 
And I think, although in the UK, they genuinely predominantly focus on the academic aspect of, th of things, they, you know, if you've got, or generally people write like this sort of mandatory one paragraph at the end of, at the end of the personal statement saying like, oh, I also do sports or I do volunteering and I am a human being too. But generally, even like when I was, when I was in high school, they would always tell us, you know, it has to be academic. It has to be very sort of high level of critical analysis, etc. So I wouldn't say I regret writing it in that way, but I think it's of course something to something to consider depending on where you apply, because my personal statement was very centered around the idea of getting into Oxbridge. So I think if you are not applying for Oxbridge, they tend to be more lenient in that. And I think you don't have to restrict yourself to the academic aspect. And you can write more about, for instance, especially if you did volunteering, which is really relevant for psychology. So, yeah. Cool. So academic or not, um, I hope that everyone watching can like learn how to make their own like personal statement really unique and really help them in their career path. So moving on to more of like the process of getting into UCL or like the whole uni application process. Um, did you guys do an interview for UCL? And if you did, what kind of preparation do you think is critical? And like, how is it going through all that kind of like process? Well, I didn't do an interview for UCL. I only had one for, well, two of them for Oxford. But I believe they are probably bound to be fairly similar. So I think in terms of in terms of preparation, it's definitely good to or sort of what you should really focus on is reading psychology papers and just try to familiar, like you don't have to focus on a specific topic, but just sort of skim through them to become more familiar with the structure, the way they're written and sort of to look out for what you could critique because that's generally what they want you to do. I mean, the Oxbridge ones are way more, way more specific. They are more likely to give you these really, really weird question. Like what is the smartest bird? But Generally, I think the most useful skill, not just for your sort of interviews for university, but even for your actual university life, is just looking at psychology papers and sort of looking at, oh, this is what they did really well, or this is what you could improve. And this, I think, general analysis is will become very useful regardless of the university you end up in. Yes, yeah, so I think you said actually don't do interviews for psychology applicants. Um, I the of the ones I applied for, I also got interviews from Oxford. So, just a random fact: you see a lot of Oxford or Oxbridge rejects in UCL. Um, so high five if you're one of them. <laughs> yes, uh, but yeah. Um, for applying to Oxbridge, uh, Oxford specifically, you need to do interviews if invited, and you also need to do some assessment tests like the thinking skills assessment. Image for that, you need to do additional preparation, and you can just do past papers, but they're incredibly hard. And also the time management for essays is just crazy. And then again, for interviews is really reading through the research articles and maybe look a bit more into neuroscience articles. Because for me, my interest is not in there. And then they asked me quite a bit of neuroscience um, article questions or giving me a graph for perception, et cetera. And I had no idea about what that is. I basically freaked out during the interview. So maybe if you're more interested in neuroscience or cognitive neuroscience, dig deeper into that and maybe apply to Oxbridge. And 
not to scare you guys off, but uh, I know that Oxbridge students get a lot of workload. So if you guys are okay with that, you can go for that. If not, then UCL is a good place with a lot of support. Okay, nice. So um, um, I, I did want to leave questions till the end, but since this question is like uh, really correlated to what you guys just said, um, um, how would you suggest, uh, it's in the chat, um, how would you suggest that um, applicants read research papers or how they should be annotated? Well, what I did, or well, what I do even now is usually just download the article, pop it in, I don't know, like your Adobe Reader or something like that, and then just highlight the bits. Or generally, I would sort of skim through it, highlight certain bits, and then just add comments. And that's quite a nice way of doing that. I think especially for if you're just preparing for interviews or you're like you're not at uni yet, you don't really need to focus on the method section bit so much. Like generally what they would want from you, even for, for the interviews would be especially the introduction and discussion. So I would focus on those. And yeah, then definitely for me, it was highlighting and just annotating. Yeah, it's similar advice for me. Um, and the other thing I want to point out is like for high schools, I'm not sure you guys get subscriptions to databases or journals usually don't so maybe you can first of all try to list those who um, do like open access papers so you can read through those because at universities they usually give you subscriptions so you can like freely explore them but I know it can be quite difficult for high school students and then once you get the articles I actually am quite lazy I don't do a lot of the annotations again I look into the introduction because it's like how you write essays just to bring out the broad topic and then funneling down into the specific focus you want to talk about. So it's like good essay templates, I guess. And then for discussion or about the entire thing, again, the method section is something that you're not expected to know everything about. So maybe just look through the entire thing, think about ways to improve the experiment or ways to improve the entire study. So maybe the sample size could be different. The sample characteristics could be different or the topic would be different and how can you extend this? And these would all be interesting if you try to consider the structure of a lab report and try to think about that mentally, although you don't need to write about that at this stage when you're in high school. But just thinking about this would help with your interviews or your personal statement when you're trying to critique all these different experiments that you've read about. So uh, now that we've talked about like everything from choosing psychology to doing ECAs, to interviewing, to like research papers. I feel like we've kind of gotten like a good idea of what the preparation process is. So let's talk about the actual uni lifestyle and what you've learned there. So how is how is studying psychology at UCL like? Is like, is the work-life balance okay? Do you guys have like some opportunities that you guys like? Um, just share like generally. I think Angela's going to be better equipped to answer this question since I have been here for the whole of seven weeks now. But I think it's, of course, a bit overwhelming at first. It's very different to high school. You don't really have your life structured anymore. You know, you don't have that big full timetable where everyone, you know, like you don't really have structure in your life. You have a lot of free time. You have to do a lot of things by yourself. I think I've got about seven contact hours per week. So, you know, in comparison to high school where you have like 32 or something, it's a it's a big jump. 
but otherwise I'm quite enjoying it so far. The workload is definitely smaller than I thought it would be. And generally what I heard from other people as well, I think if you did A-levels or especially IB, in a way you will find university easier because of course the work, it might be harder, but there won't be as much of it. So you get to, and also you just do things you actually enjoy. Outside of that, I personally really like maths. So I'm enjoying my stats classes and the programming R. I think this is an unpopular opinion, at least from what I've seen so far. So, you know, be just a bit prepared for that, that if you don't like maths, it might be a bit tricky at first. But I'm also, what I've heard from older students is just a matter of time and you sort of get used to it. And for instance, uh, my mentor, who is a third year, she didn't do A-level maths. She just, you know, went to uni, started, started her stats class, was completely overwhelmed, thought she's going to get kicked out. And now in her third year, she's taking advanced statistics. So, you know, there is hope for all of us. Yeah, so for me, uh, I can tell Sarah that year one is okay. Year two, you have a lot of stuff to do. <laughs> so it only gets harder and harder. Um, but yeah, with work-life balance, it's actually okay. Like, it's not that much contact hours and then you have your time to do volunteering or do some part-time work because I know some of my friends actually do part-time work alongside their studies, which is still manageable but needs a bit more time management. And then again, um, I support your opinion that I also like stats. It's unpopular, but I'm also one of those. <laughs> yeah, and then um, I think with stats, we use like programming. So if you like creating games or like you can treat that as a fun thing to do, then it will be really enjoyable. And then in terms of ECAs, I do a lot of volunteering, um, but it's not really necessary for year ones because like ultimately, I think you can do whatever that makes you feel happy and like fulfilled. And for me, my happy and fulfilled is like doing volunteering and helping people who may be having mental health needs. And then for me, I chose to do a lot of volunteering, like some with people with learning disabilities or learning needs, some with people in crisis, some with people in hospital. Or at the start, I think I started with social media first. Because like, if you guys are international students, if you go into the charities and ask them for volunteering, sometimes they may not be that keen to give you the direct contact roles at first. So you might do some um, research or some social media first and you can pivot back to the point you want to do. And then, yeah, it's like there are a lot of opportunities as well. So for example, at UCL, there's this student-led volunteering project, which I also created one called Culture Minds. And then UCL has a very good like volunteering service. I'm not sure about other unis, but like uh, on that, you can find different opportunities for volunteering or even job opportunities for the students' union. I think it's just you can enjoy your first year and also try to explore what things interest you or what type of stuff you want to do later on. And you can try to plan that into year two or year three. Or if you feel that you can manage that right from the beginning, start to do a lot of volunteering in year one and year two and then get a job in year three. And then if you want to do masters, think about that earlier. And just so everything is like clear and nice for you to go through. Yeah. Yeah. It's really nice to know that you guys are like enjoying your time at uni, even though I personally can't relate to liking math, but I guess that's like a topic for a different day. Um, um, like how about Angel? Um, was there like a particular thing that you think shifted a lot when you moved from 
like Hong Kong to UCL or just like Tesla to uni life in general? Uh, I'd say it's the fact that you have to be more independent. Like if you're in your home country, you get your family like asking you to do other stuff or like they will remind you to eat and sleep. But then sometimes in uni, when you're too busy with other work, you sometimes forget to eat or sleep or sometimes you eat or sleep at a weird time. So I guess it's like you get more autonomy. And especially when you're thrown into halls in the first year, which is usually the case, you can try to step out of your comfort zone and socialize with different people. And then sometimes friends made in university or high school can like be really long lasting. So that's why you can also develop lifelong friendships if you do find people that you're um, resonating very strongly with. Um, like also Angel mentioned that like year two and year three in UCL is like completely different to what um, Sarah is doing right now. But Sarah, is there like, like what was your first impression of UCL? Hmm. That is a, that's a good question. Mm, I would say my first impression was there are a lot of international students because, <laughs> I mean, I spent, I'm originally from the Czech Republic, but I did my A-levels in the UK and my sick form was predominantly, predominantly British. So I got used to being sort of the minority and then I got to UCL and even just the psychology course in a way there are 150 people and I think maybe 30 people are British and otherwise it's predominantly predominantly international students and especially from sort of eastern southeastern Asia so there was actually a nice surprise I mean I, I saw it personally in a positive light because it's way easier to I think at least for me to get along with international students because everyone sort of you know they come into uni and they are really keen to make friends so it's everyone's sort of really extroverted and very sociable so it, I think it's generally especially if you also come from a foreign country and you haven't studied in the UK before I think it definitely helps because you are sort of less overwhelmed. You're not really alone and everyone is in the same boat. I can't imagine how that must feel for you guys because um, people in Hong Kong are usually like trying to think about what kind of like unis they want to go to or like uh, internationally, especially. So I think that you guys' experience would be really useful to the applicants here who are interested in going abroad for their studies. So about um, like the course of psychology in UCL as a whole, um, I guess this applies to like Angel more, but um, do most people pursue psychology after like studying in psychology, like studying psychology or in UCL? Um, if not, then is there any other career path that you see most students pursuing? In terms of the life after studying psychology, I'd say, uh, actually people studying psychology are usually those who are not sure about what they want to do in the future at least for my year two cohort um, so some of them will be very keen to do like clinical psychology educational psychology or forensics in which one of the modules at UCL in year one is also forensic psychology and then the others might be going into like business organizational psychology or they could just completely not do psychology later on just do another course or just go to work because psychology is such an applicable job applicable subject to a lot of jobs 
that it's very flexible and adaptable. And I think throughout your journey, if you study psychology at UCL or at university, you can try to explore different internships during summer or during holidays and then really decide what you want to do. Because after all, having a psychology degree is not that bad. It's like sort of the uh, the universal key or something like that to pivot into different careers. So, yeah. Nice. Um, it's cool to see psychology having like a lot of, like gaining a lot of traction, even even if like people don't know what they want to do, at least they get to like explore more about like this whole big like sector of like psychology with like different kind of paths they can go towards. But um, other than being really passionate about psychology and obviously being like a great student, you guys, um, like you guys have also actively participated in like initiatives or volunteer work or like organizations. So as a person who's like running a few organizations myself, um, I really do understand the importance of having conversations like this with youth. So let's try to communicate more about um, that kind of work experience other than uni to the audience. So um, Sarah, like you have a role of research assistant in like this institute that is like really prestigious. So um, is there anything valuable that you've learned there? And like, how does it differ from what you learn in university? It is very different from probably anything you have experienced in your life. I, uh, so the institution that I worked in is called the National Institute of Mental Health. And it's sort of the main research body in the Czech Republic related to psychiatry, neurology, and psychology. And specifically, I worked in a research lab called Image, Mind and Brain, which was focused on neuroaesthetics. So sort of they're tracking the neural basis and processes underlying aesthetic judgment. So in, to put it in simple terms, what, do you, what is going on in your brain when you look at paintings, when you listen to music, when you read poetry and such. And I think those are definitely extremely valuable experiences because it's very different just reading psychology papers and actually being in this acad very ac academic environment and for me, for instance, the most or the biggest lesson that I learned from that is that I don't want to get into academia. I was very dead set on getting into academia till I was maybe 18, 19. But then after, after experiencing this, I realized that it's actually not for me. So I think any sort of work experience, even if it's a sort of a process of elimination, is really valuable already at your high school level because it can shape your university experiences consequently. Right, right. So I guess that's really useful to gain work experience of any sort for um, like the participants here, like whether you want to consider more about what field you want to join. So um, like Angel, with your experience of being a chairperson for your initiative and a member of a psychological society, um, I guess what are a few things that you've learned and yeah, like how does it differ from what you learned from uni? I'd say with these organizations, it's learning to be more accepting of different cultures, like especially for International Psychology Students Initiative or IPSI. Uh, in our committee, we've got people from the um, African region, from America, from European countries, etc. And it's such a diverse mix that sometimes you can, from having meetings with them, you can learn more about the culture. So 
for example, some some of them have told me that they started studying psychology because of some socioeconomic conflicts in their countries. And because of that, I learned more about, oh, th- these countries or these regions actually have these struggles. And then the other day, one of the teammates actually told me that um, they have this load shedding thing, which is like redistribution of electricity from time to time. And then I just, from having collaborations with them, I not only started to create like international congresses, conferences, or activities, and got more prof- professional connections with like professors, etc. But also learning more about the world in general, like having some um, local or national initiatives help you learn more about the country itself that you're in. But having international initi- initiatives helps you learn more about the world in general and different cultures, and that can really be helpful if you're planning to do work like across different countries. Or for example, for me, from clinical psychology, my other interest would be around NGOs. So if there's something like um, international mental health charity, what I've experienced right now can really be valuable asset to do things, charity work like that on a broader level. And for the BPS or the British Psychological Society, I think with that, it's again, learning to collaborate with different students across the UK. So there's different um, there's different branches and different uh, student ambassadors and different universities. And again, it's to basically broaden your horizon and to not in UCL, not in your university, but also across different regions in the UK, learning how to, again, collaborate with like, especially local professionals and to learn more about their work and to build more connections, which may be helpful for future careers. Yeah, thank you so much for the insightful sharing that you guys have had. Um, I think a lot of us here have learned more about what happens around like the journey of psychology, especially with like NGOs or like um, like activities aside from school. And I feel like um, everyone should be able to like participate in volunteer work or something that's more like actively trying to like encourage your way throughout whatever career choice you choose to pick. So um, is there like, is there anything that you guys have learned through your like outside of school initiative? Maybe like Sarah, you could talk more about how volunteer work or um, your past experience has helped you in pursuing psychology. I think, I mean, this will echo a lot what Angela already said, but I think any sort of volunteering or just general communication with other people, and this is not restricted to psychology, but any any sort of job or volunteering experience where you just communicate with others will help you learn so much. And I think in a way you do learn, it's very different type of learning, of course, to what you experience at university where it's all very theoretical and very academic. But I think quite often these sort of real world experiences are way more valuable because some things you sort of can't learn in a classroom, right? And I think especially when it comes to volunteering, for instance, the one that I did with the elderly people, it was, it really opens opens your eyes a lot because you come across people from very obviously very different socio-cultural, political backgrounds who are also, in my case at least, much older and i think it's very good to challenge your perception of the world and this is a really sort of good non-violent peaceful gentle way of doing so 
that's really nice to hear. Um, I think a lot of us are going more into volunteer work. And um, like, for instance, with me, um, like ever since I've joined, because mental health, you know, you get to learn a lot about psychology by doing like your research or by doing more like kind of deeper investigations into the subject. But you also get to help people like externally with the information or the opportunities that you put out like these. So I feel like everyone should be um, like trying to participate in these things. Um, okay, so now that we've covered a lot of like a lot of perspectives regarding psychology, um, let's move on to our Q&A session. Um, um, to everyone, you're definitely welcome to submit your questions either to me or to everyone so that we can ask Sarah and Angel to answer them. Um, as for now, we had a question like near the beginning. Um, okay, this is for Angel apparently. Um, since you did IB, what topic did you do your extended essay on? Okay, so I actually did my EE on Chinese. Um, ironically, my Chinese is better than English and I like literature, so I just did that. And just a note, if you were to do EE, try to do that in a language or humanities subjects because science subjects EEs are very hard to get at high school. So with the right supervisor or with the right guidance, you should be able to nail EE in every single subject, except for sciences, I guess. Okay, nice, nice. Um, okay, now to Sarah, do you do the EPQ? First of all, I don't know what that is, so please elaborate. And if so, did you do a psychology-based one? And what topic did you do it on? Uh, well, to start off, EPQ is sort of like an extended essay, but it's actually optional, at least at most schools. And it's sort of, I think, equivalent to an AS level. So sort of half the half the grade you get on A level. Uh, in any case, I did not do any PQ. I'm genuinely potentially another popular opinion, but I think EPQ is a waste of time because there is the EPQ, it consists of two parts. You've got the actual essay, and then you've got a logbook where you sort of track your process of writing the essay. 90% of the logbooks are just absolutely fabricated. It's just a way of getting as many points. So, and also I think the major issue, major issue is you write like a 5,000 word essay and no one actually cares about the content. Like there is a lot more emphasis on the logbook rather than the essay itself. So I think unless you want to do it for yourself, then 100% go for it. But I think if you want to do it to increase your chances of getting into a good university, don't bother because they don't care. Because like the top top universities, they know that EPQ is more about the logbook than the essay itself. So it's a nice addition to your CV, sure. But I think you should definitely sort of weigh in whether it's actually worth your time because it does take up a lot of time. And if you've got the option, for instance, what my school, Wickham Abbey had, was called UPP, which was sort of an internal internal version. So you didn't get an official, officially recognized grade, but you got to do an independent research project. So I think if you've got something like that, then do that instead because you will get all the benefits and not the annoying bits. Okay, now that's really good advice to whoever who like whoever asked, because um, like I guess past experienced people have told you that 
only do it on what you're passionate on and um I guess like you gotta weigh out if you should do it or not so by Jenna um Angel and Sarah I know that both of you are aspiring clinical psychologists but she's more interested in educational psychology would the application process be different and like or would you choose your specific career path after um after uni Okay, I don't think you actually need to choose your career path before uni. They don't expect you to have specialized uh, interests in your mind when applying. And the other thing is like, even though I'm really interested in clinical psychology or mental health, in my personal statement, I actually tried to keep a more comprehensive approach to psychology. So I included maybe one paragraph on cognitive psychology, one paragraph on mental health, and one paragraph on, yeah, it's about uh, social psychology. So it's like, in your personal statement or the application process, you have to show that you're interested about psychology in, in general, except for some unis which they may have a different focus. So for example, for LSE, they may have a focus on like the business side or the behavioral side. And then for um, UCL, it's like a more comprehensive thing. For Oxbridge or some specific unis, they may focus on neurosciences more. So it's really about learning going deeper into the focus of each universities or your dream university and to look into what focus you should talk about in your personal statement or your interview. Yeah, I can, I can, I can only agree. I think, oh, sorry, sorry. Just like a really, really brief note. (laughs) I think definitely you don't, you don't need to be sure what you want to do before university. Just, you know, choose like three topics. That's generally the advice that you're interested in, write about these. And of course it will to an extent be shaped by the universities you're applying to. So for instance, when I was writing my personal statement, I was really thinking I'm gonna get into academia. So I did a paragraph on neuroaesthetics. I had one on sort of emotional dysregulation. And then I did one on human rationality or rather lack thereof, but I must say, ever since starting UCL over the past couple of months, I'm gradually shifting more towards business psychology. So, you know, it's not actually deterministic in any way. I think as long as you write about something you enjoy, you will be fine regardless of where you apply. So now that we're talking about different universities and their different cultures, um, someone asked me, how is UCL different from other unis for psychology specifically? And why should they choose UCL? I would say, at least from my experience so far, of course, or I suppose the the reason why for me UCL is my first choice of all the universities that I apply to is that you get a lot of choice in your third year because I believe you've got to write your dissertation, but otherwise you've got six selective subjects. And the selection of subjects is really wide so you can do anything from clinical psychology to more like business psychology or HR management and such which for me was a benefit because I'm I wasn't entirely sure what I wanted to do after uni and this was sort of or UCL provides you with a really broad way of broad or I suppose just generally a broad selection so you can sort of specialize in your third year or anything you want to do Whereas, for instance, Oxford especially, I mean, the course is called experimental psychology. It's sort of a factory for future scientists. And of course, not everyone actually ends up in academia. A lot of people get into marketing. But the course itself is a lot more targeted on like pure, pure science. 
So I think if this is not the path you want to take, like you're sure you're not want, you don't want to get just into academia, that's definitely something to consider. For me, I think it also depends on whether you want to do a science part of psychology or the knowledge part of psychology. So for example, for degrees in the UK, it's all masters, it's all degrees in science. But for maybe in the US or in Canada, it could be a bachelor's in arts. So with bachelor in science, definitely there's more focus on scientific research. And then for users specifically or different universities, I think the criteria or benchmarks you can think of would be the ratio of like international students. Like, um, is is it diverse? Is it comfortable for university in international students? And also the second thing is the level of support. So for example, at UCL, you get like different types of support for students around well-being or finances, et cetera. But for some universities, they may not have that much support because of funding or et cetera. And the third thing to consider would perhaps be the location. So London has very high uh, cost of living, but for other in other cities in the country, it might be less uh, daunting and then it might be easier to get a place, I mean, get a residence place that is like cheaper, et cetera. So that's also something to counter in when you're thinking of your finances or the tuition fee. And for Oxbridge too, they have this college system, which have to, which you have to choose to college and also additionally consider the um, style or nature of different colleges. And also there's sort of additional fees because of the colleges. But yeah, I'm not too sure about the Oxbridge system, but like really these are the different factors you can think about practically. Oh yeah, I, I feel like people don't really think about these sort of like aspects when they choose their careers. So I hope that this will be useful for you guys. Um, the same person also asked, can you guys talk more about stat and programming because this person hates programming and stats. So how doomed will she be and what do they need to do better? I mean, I'm not, I don't think I'm that well equipped to answer this because it's we're only doing really the introductory bits so far so it's quite easy as of now but I think if you don't like programming it can be a bit of a pain not gonna lie it's probably going to be but to be fair I think programming at the end of the day is like learning any language so the initial stages are really hard, but sort of as you get grips with it, it does become better. So honestly, honestly, not sure, not sure how, how it gets in your second year. But I think at least for, you know, for the first seven weeks, I think you'll be completely fine. Me, I think, again, it's quite easy. Um, just if you want to do some refreshing, maybe write down like the functions in the language and again if you have coding experiences that you can nail that in the first year for the second year you might need to really listen in the lectures and learn more about different statistical models you learn about but again it builds on what you've learned in first year so it's a progressive thing UCL does not just throw you into this uh, very scary academic space they let you build on your skills step by step so it should be manageable for everyone right okay I hope that answers the question of the person who hates programming. Um, I hope you can get like some sort of insight or some sort of improve, like improvement on that. Um, okay, someone asked, 
for both Angel and Sarah, but more for Angel because she spoke about EE on a language. Do you know anything about the psychology adjacent programs like psychology plus language sciences? And why did you pick the pure psychology course? Okay, with PALS or psychology and language sciences, the half of the modules are the same as the pure psychology course. But then again, the main focus is about uh, linguistics or how language performance differs like across different groups, etc. For me, again, my focus is mainly on mental health. And I still think that like doing the pure psychology course would, would be better suited towards my interests, holistic interests of psychology, because I don't have that keen interest into languages. And also, just a minor thing, um, I actually did not intend to apply for UK universities at first. So I just copied and pasted my friend's UCAS list. Oh, not a good thing, but um, yeah, so uh, because I'm only interested in psychology, so I just chose everything in psychology. And the next question is around why I'm doing integrated master's. It's because the fourth year, it secures at least one placement. And because I want to do clinical psychology, I know that it's very competitive to get like master's or placements. So I'd rather secure that in my bachelor or undergraduate degree than to apply that for, for apply for this thing once again. So, um, oh, another one for Angel. Um, are you planning on returning back to Hong Kong to pursue your career later? And why did you choose to continue your master's degree in the UK? Um, yeah, let's do that question first. Yeah, so I'm still thinking about that. Uh, as mentioned, if you want to do some like accredit accreditation in Hong Kong, you have to do the master's, it's easier, yes. Uh, but for master's in clinical psychology, it's very competitive. There's like only 20 or 30 places per year. So again, I tend to go for some more secure options. So I'd rather just secure this placement in the UK first. And then later on, if I feel that I'm, equipped to apply for the master's program in Hong Kong that I'll apply for that and see how it goes or I might just try to go for being a CP in the UK because the reason is like if you can be a CP in the UK you can go back to Hong Kong and do some conversion but if I become a CP in Hong Kong I can't really go back to the UK it's, it's more like about the flexibility in life and stuff like that and I usually tend to go for uh, more flexible options just so I have like more choices and I hope this answers your question. Yeah, I think it does. And for the latter part of this person's question about like what countries you should choose to finish your degree or like um like the different kind of qualifications that it brings. So how about like Sarah, have you considered going elsewhere to like a different uni or different country to like pursue psychology and you know like why UK um specifically? Uh, for me, it was definitely the UK or the US because although Czech Republic has really good psychology courses, they are structured very differently. So whereas the sort of Western Western perception of psychology is very scientific, I mean, even the APA in the US considers psychology as a STEM subject. This is not the case in the Czech Republic where it's much closer to these sort of philosophical roots. You do a lot more Freud. And that was exactly not something that I was content with. So as soon as I realized I want to do psychology when I was about 15, 16, I knew that I, in a way, had to get out. Oh, wow. That's like really cool to like, uh, 
do like UK specifically in order to kind of like change your whole take on psychology. So yeah, I feel like it's about time that we came to a close. So again, like thank you, Sarah and Angel so much for today. Um, I've learned a lot and I feel like the audience has learned a lot about applying to uni, high school, and like other programs outside of psychology. If you want to reach out to us, feel free to DM us on Instagram. And um, we'll also try to link Sarah and Angel's contacts in Instagram in the future. Thank you so much. And we're going to have to log off now. Thank you.